Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Thanks for tuning in again to Windowsill Chats. I am so glad to have you here. I would love to read you a review. Thanks for leaving one, Megan Isabella Design. This is called Finally Found My Corner. Megan Isabella Design from Australia says, this is a wonderful podcast for creatives, but particularly for those who love making art for products. Any licensed artists, designers, illustrators who make work for commercial application will get a lot out of Margot's delightful chats with professionals in the field. The guests speak with such generosity and authenticity, and Margot asks great questions. Thank you. I listen to this podcast every week when I'm working on my art, and it never fails to lift my spirits. Thanks, Margot. Thank you, Megan. I think you'll like today because today I am interviewing Jamie Calvestron, and she has had a fascinating path and super interesting jobs along the way. Very product oriented, but also very soulful and very in touch with what matters. And I really think this is one of my favorites, certainly the subject matter and paying attention to what matters and feels right in your gut and in your heart. Jamie is a published illustrator product designer, and artist. Jamie brings her inspiring work to life, making creativity a daily practice. A graduate of Minneapolis College of Art and Design, Jamie is known for her skillful use of color and pattern, authentic design, and integrity of materials. Her expansive portfolio includes three design patents, an original product spanning many industries, equestrian accessories, textiles, quilting, home fashions, toys, sporting goods, children's products, to name just a few. Jamie lives and works at her scenic lakeside Inglewood Studios in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, where she creates, runs an Airbnb, and shares her extraordinary works of art worldwide. And I I just have to add that I think Jamie is a lot more. She's a thinker. She follows her gut. She has had an extraordinary career and has done super interesting things. And many things are in the market today that wouldn't have been there without Jamie. So tune in and listen to this real super heartwarming conversation. I really, really loved digging in and talking to Jamie. I am so thrilled. I say that every time, but I really am thrilled to be talking to Jamie Calvestrin today. I've known Jamie kind of just at a 
distantly, but we met a long time ago and we kind of lived in similar states and areas and we've kind of worked around similar jobs in the market. So I'm really excited, Jamie, to have you on today. Thanks, Michael. Thanks I'm for being here. To be here. Yeah. Good, good. And Jamie's in, in chilly Wisconsin today where it has been snowing and I'm in uh, on Vashon Island looking at, at some sunshine. So we'll take it, we'll take it that way. Um, okay. I, as you know, I love to, to kind of know your path and I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because Jamie sent me some, I was like asking like anything you'd especially like to ask me about. And, and instead of a promotion or something, it's, it's Jamie came up with, you know, things that really matter and how she, how she kind of sets her mind on her creative practice. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So tell me a little bit about how you, how this whole creative life started for you. Did you grow up thinking you would be working in a creative career? Uh, actually, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh. And um, I remember, um, so I grew up in a, in a home where no one had gone to college and I had two sisters. And so oh. my folks, my folks were like, and, you know, think about, you know, back then <laughs> I was a small town and my, um, parents just everyone the culture expected you to just get married and have kids right yeah, you know yeah. so uh, especially being girls and mm. uh, so I actually went to work um we I, we lived in a blue collar town where there was lots of manufacturing and I worked in uh, manufacturing for about a year and then I went into banking oh wow that's a switch <laughs> and, and I went to I started as a teller and I worked my way up to the vice president of a credit union, actually. Wow. And then, you know, I couldn't stand it because I'm not a numbers person. Um, I had to wear polyester pants suits to work. Oh, my goodness. That was the era. There's a picture. And I had my best friend um, was an artist at a, um, she and her husband actually were an artist at a um, advertising agency. And we go out to lunch and they, they'd be in like their jeans and their cool clothes. And I'd be in my polyester <laughs> suit. And I'm like, I want a, I want a job like that. So anyway, one day I quit my job and I went, I applied to go to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents thought I had lost my mind. You're leaving a perfectly fantastic, lifelong, stable job to go to art school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But what yeah. a good choice. What an excellent choice. It was, it was, I thought I died and went to heaven. I and bet that first day, you just must've been floating to class. Oh, I floated for four years. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Good for you. I mean, you just, you just kind of lightly said, and then one day I quit and went to art school, but that, that's gotta be, that had to have been some hand wringing. Um, not for me, but for everyone around me. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but you know what? I got scholarships and I worked and I mean, it, it turned out great. That's (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And then I, and then I got a summer internship with Tonka Toys. Uh, My, one of my professors actually worked there and he hired students for the summer. And so that was my, um, my into the toy industry. Yeah. And I worked for them for a number of years. And then I worked for Manhattan Toy, mm-hmm. which is not in Manhattan. It's in, <laughs> right. it's in it's in Minnesota. And they do, they they have a wonderful history of great toys. Yeah. 
they do. And that was, that was um, actually, uh, I should back up because I skipped rollerblade. I worked for rollerblade. Oh in my the gosh. Theater. Yeah. <laughs> when it was happening. When it was happening. And um, so, you know, the corporate design, Tonka was really small when I started there and then it grew and got corporate. It was during pound puppies and all that. Yeah. Wow. And the culture changed. And then I went into rollerblade, which was very corporate. And that is a whole, every, every job is a different culture, but yeah. And then I went to Manhattan toy and the wonderful thing about Manhattan toy when I worked there was that normally when you're a corporate designer, you have control over certain things, but not a lot of things. Right. Right. So, so you know, you hand it over. Yeah. You hand it over to, to, um, well, marketing has a say and, and, um, you hand it over to engineering and they change it because, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, at Manhattan Toy, design was in charge. Oh, and we yeah, got yeah. to design basically what we wanted. We could pitch, mm-hmm. we could pitch ideas and, and she'd say, sure, go for it. And we would design a line and then we would go, we would send the concepts over. And a few weeks later, we would go over to, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, the other side of the world. And we stayed there until the prototypes were done. And we were the ones who got to approve it. And sales and marketing had nothing to say. And wow. manufacturing was done. We were working with them. You, you've had this experience. Yeah, yeah. And so the wonderful thing is we had um, real ownership and control over our own, our own ideas and concepts. And that was the hugest, like it still to this day is the best job I ever had. Oh, that's so cool. That yeah. that does not exist yeah. very many places. I'm pausing to think. <laughs> does not exist very many places. Oh. I think that's why so many people just think like, how can I get my own product out into the world? Because, you know, you, you, you draw and think, oh, this would be a beautiful, whatever it is. And, and that it just, it's almost impossible to get your initial thoughts carried all the way through. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Even, even the many times I've designed a product pretty much from start to finish, there's always, you know, a numbers person or marketing or something weighing in. Yeah. Well, we had to meet, you know, we had to work within the budget, uh, the price point and all that, but um, you know, it was, it was a new experience to be trusted. We were trusted (sighs) from start to finish to put out and I think, you know, we did the best work and we did a lot. I think I did 150 toys in three years. Wow. Jamie, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, um, I, let's talk about that for a second, because I always was so, you know, I went from entrepreneurially building my own lines and having small lines to you know, Midwest of Cannon Falls at the time, which was more like Manhattan toy, where you could, you could really see something all the way through to then other companies that where you were, it it was sliced up and you, you got this part of the design and, you know, and it was, it was analyzed within an inch of its life. And so, but I always thought if I am, am looking for design from someone, why would I tell them what to do? Like, cause then they're trying to fit their design into what they think I want. Yeah. I would much rather say, you know, here's a trend or just make up your own. Cause then it's coming. I was, you know, touch my 
you know, heart, gut, because then it's coming from your gut. Like if, if I, people, anybody knows me, I use the dang purple butterfly. And I was like, if I tell you, I need a line full of purple butterflies, you're just going to do what you think I need. If you come to me with something else, and that's must've been what those, all those toys were like for you. That's magical. It was magical. Definitely. Oh, I love that you, you have that. I call those halcyon days, you know, those, those memories of, of really being, and, and the pride that comes with that. And it is better product. A hundred percent of the time it's better product yes. because it's not watered down. Right. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> so w- what made you move on from that? Um, the boss that I had that yep. I loved moved on. Mm-hmm. And then I knew things would, would not be the same. And, um, so I moved on to, mm-hmm. and, um, gosh, where did I move on to? I think I just went home. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to get better than this. I'm going home. I went home. Um, but of course, you know, I freelanced and I, um, oh gosh, you know, I did, I've done, I feel like I've lived about five lifetimes in one lifetime here. So, um, yeah, I did a lot. I've, you know, started freelancing and growing my own business. And um, I started doing um, sewing patterns for purses, which is the weirdest thing because I'm not um, a purse girl. I'm not a fashion girl. I'm not a shoe girl. And I had this dream. um, And in the dream, well, I went to sleep asking about... I was went to sleep asking for guidance, a question about should I take this studio down in Northfield or should I take stay in Elk River and um, take this studio? And I just wanted an answer to that because I I was working with someone in Northfield. Uh And um, so instead, I get this answer and it's (laughs) You know, when when you back up 30 years, you see, oh, it was an answer, but at the time. So I, I wake up at 6 a.m. Um, after having this dream, and I it said, um, the dream showed me this, this name, and it said scrap bags. And I could see that there was a line of handbags, and that there was, <clears throat> I could just see the strap. You know, dreams are so, I couldn't see the detail of what they looked like, but I knew they were there. <laughs> I could see the logo. I could see the name. Oh my and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, am I supposed to go to? This is not an answer for my studio question. This is not an answer for my studio question. And so, but I knew I had to, I had to um, trademark that name. Mm-hmm. So 8 a.m. I called an attorney, trademarked the name. And then I started to figure it out. You know, I'm like, okay. Well, I guess I'm supposed to start sewing bags. I <laughs> love so, that. And I, I knew how to sew. I learned it 4-H. Um, mm-hmm. Same here. I, I, I didn't love sewing, um, but I, I knew how. And so I was going to the quilt shops and I was buying all this fabric. And finally they said, why are you buying all this fabric? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm making these bags. And I don't know what I'm going to do with them or why I'm supposed to make them, but I know I'm supposed to make them. And they're called scrap bags. And so they said, well, you should make a pattern and we'll sell it for you. And I said, oh, no, 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 I can't make a pattern. I, I'm not a writer and I can't blah, blah, blah. And they said. I'm not a writer. I'm not a sewer. I'm just making these bags. <laughs> I 
just making these bags. And uh, they said, um, well, so-and-so um, sells patterns and, 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 and so-and-so who works here, she's a retired school teacher. She can help you with the writing and, and we'll sell them for you. And I'm like, and they knew me kind of, but they didn't, yeah. weren't, it's not like we were friends, you know? Right. So I'm like, okay. So I, I, um, I did that. And then they said, you know, do you want to work here? Um, part-time. So I, I worked there like one day a month, seriously. I was working there and this woman came in and she wanted to see the owner. And I said, I'm sorry, she's not in. And she goes, oh, well, I wanted to sell her this ruler, this ruler. I have a new ruler out. And I'm like, well, you know, she's, she'll be back whenever, whatever. Anyway, comes to find out that this woman, um, whose name is Linda Hohag, is a designer. She designed fabrics. She designs books and sewing patterns and all of this stuff. And she says, well, well, um, I think my patterns were right in the front and she was looking at them. They were right oh. on the counter. And she said, um, I can help you. Um, I can help you with that. And I, she goes, are you going to go to quilt market? And I said, what's quilt market? <laughs> <laughs> so she basically came over and she said, here, this is how it works. These wow. are the distributors. These are the prices. This is the margin. This is, this is, this is what's expected. And, um, I loaded up my car and we went to quilt market and had I known how big quilt market was, I would have yeah. never in a bazillion <laughs> years, never have done it, but I did it. And I was approached by Andover fabrics to design oh. for them. I was um, picked up by the distributor right away, which I just thought was normal because I'd never done it <laughs> <laughs> to find Not out. So something. normal. Huh? So anyway, so I had a career in 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 the quilt industry for quite a for um for quite a while. And so I designed fabric and sewing patterns. And you were doing that before quilt market. So for those of you listening who who might not have heard what quilt market is, it's so there's gift shows and there's furniture shows and quilt market is like the 45 inch yard good or like quilting and cotton 45 inch yard goods show. And it really started because it was the quilting fabric show. And when I, I remember thinking at some point along the way, like, what's this, what are these different markets? Like really we have a lot in common. We, the designers of things like product or furniture or fabric. So, and that was more when Amy Butler was new in this and, and, she was kind of approaching it her way. And, and I remember the first one I went to was in Kansas city. And, and I just like you, I was like, what on earth? Um, you know, I went to a yarn market like that too. Like there's so much crossover in those things, just of what we're all trying to do in the way that we're doing. It's just different products. So I, I love just expanding your kind of reach and knowledge in that way, where you're putting yourself in a slightly different industry, but with all the knowledge you bring along with you, it gives you such a leg up. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's interesting too, because I did think earlier before I started scrap eggs, I did think it would be fun to design quilt fabric. My mom had been a quilter her whole, whole, whole life. And I thought, oh, that would be really fun. And I remember going out and buying quilt magazines. This is before the internet and uh -huh. um, looking up the companies and um, writing to them, you know, sending them a, mm -hmm. a written thing uh, asking mm -hmm. and a little pitch, you know, and I think I sent to six of them and a couple of them were sort of interested, but nothing came of any of it. But then as soon as I was inside with right. my own product then I was looked at differently. It was interesting. Then they came to me. So it's like, 
And I, I still, I still uh, experience that to this day, you know, mm. I'm trying to get into something new where mm-hmm. I don't know anyone. It's like, you know, you pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. Right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I mean, sometimes, yourself it works. There. sometimes it works, Yeah. but it really, um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting phenomena <laughs> really. Yeah. Let's follow through on that thought too. Cause people are like, what, how do I do it? You know, it's you, you do, you pitch and pitch and pitch, but if you can have a conversation, if you can like stand in front of somebody, literally, if, you know, back in the days when we're someday, we're going to stop saying when we used to go to shows, but, um, like literally if I, if I have a DM from somebody, or if I saw somebody at, at, a at stationary show or surtex or something, I'm going to have a different thought about that. Cause there's a human to the name. There's a human to that email, yeah. you know, and, and, and you're right. I bet when you were there at the quilt market or other places you made headway into, it's like, oh yeah, she knows what she's talking about. We're, we're having a glass of wine tonight, you know, whatever it is. And then there's a deal and there's another conversation and there's, cause who doesn't like to work with their friends <laughs> so yes. you just become friends with these people yes. and you're good <laughs> I, yeah. that's oversimplified but but it works well it does and I think you know we all like to work with people we know we like right yes well we, said we want to enjoy and I remember this woman she didn't even know I had fabric designs she just said how can we work together and I think at the time, now that I look back, she, she meant, how can we take our fabric and put it on your patterns? You know, how can we market together? <laughs> but instead I said, I have 12 collections already to show you. <laughs> and I sent them to her, you know, I want to design fabric. And so, you know, we did end up collaborating and we did both, you know. <sighs> so, um, so all of that preliminary work that you do that seems to go nowhere it just needs its time. It's like, you know, you, you do the work, you plant the seeds and then you wait. (laughs) It's really true. Isn't it? I think, um, when you ask yourself those questions, like what studio am I supposed to take, you know, or, or, or pay attention to the dreams or the thoughts you have when you're daydreaming or the contacts that keep showing up. It's, it's kind of remarkable how the doors open when things align. And sometimes just aligning is just thinking about it enough or putting it out there or trying or getting those, getting those 12 collections ready. If you can say, I have 12 collections ready. Somebody's going to say, let's see what you have, you know? Yep. Yep. (laughs) I love that. I love talking to people like me who have been doing this for a while because it's a crazy path. This creative one, it's super rewarding. You know, one of my first jobs I think we were not legal age to work, but I was in junior high and there was a, there was a fabric store in our little town called the little dress factory. And, um, it was at one of those sliding ladders and the shelves that went, you know, probably 20 feet up and it was all little ditzy prints. And I remember thinking who makes these, you know, where does this come from? And we had, I remember another woman who worked there did the hand lettering for folk fabric patterns, folk, these long folk dresses. And it was a long time ago, but I just, you know, it's getting to that point in your career where you're like, now I know how those things are made. And not only that, but I'm making them, you know, you, you were able to say, now I'm, now I'm doing this, you know, you <laughs> intent gets, gets you there. Yeah. Uh, these are such good lessons. So with the fabric and all that you did, 
with that industry, I know you did, you did all sorts of things. What were some of the favorite things that came out of working in that, in that industry? In the quilt industry? Yeah. And working with fabric. Well, first of all, I will say, so, you know, I was in the toy industry, sporting goods, and then quilting. And, you know, you have the stereotype of the sweet little quilty lady. That is true. (laughs) And um, I would say, you know, that 99% of the people in the quilt industry are, are wonderful. Mm. And there's maybe 1% or less of the icky meanies, you know, Yeah. (laughs) which, so that, that alone is, um, is a pretty wonderful experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. People are very generous. People share for the most part. And, um, you know, it's just like the woman who said, I'll come over and tell you how to do it. And uh, <laughs> I didn't yeah. ask her. I didn't, you know, so very generous. So I did have to sew. <laughs> right. There's that. <laughs> I did have to sew. And I still, I actually just signed a new contract with Northcott Fabrics. So I'm, I've been, I've been away from quilting for 10 years, but I'm, I'm now in it again. So oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So um, quilt market, here I come again. Oh, it'll be fun to re-meet and newly meet and just touch back in. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do love fabric. So, you know, I went from three-dimensional design, toy design and um, sporting goods design to two dimensions. So, right. Which is most people go the other way. It's true. Yeah. And um, I actually had a client when I was freelancing um, called Wildkin. Uh, Mm -hmm. I still have a license with them, but they were doing, I was doing toy design for them. And then they um, transitioned their company. They were just a a very small company at the time transitioned to, um, from making toys to making children's backpacks, sleeping bags and all that. Mm -hmm. And they said, can you design some prints to go on here? Oh, perfect. And on these things, you know, and I said, sure I can. And I'm like, I didn't know how to do a repeat or anything. I love it. And so, um, but it wasn't, I wasn't lying. I actually thought I could. I mean, I did. Sure, it's just sure. that, you know, my level of expertise was not there. I, I didn't have a background in textile design, you know. And so, um, so I kind of got into it backwards. You didn't have the background, but you had the opportunity and you, you said yes. Yes, yes. And so then from there, I jumped, you know, then we went into quilting and I worked a number of years for Pattern Observer. I don't know if you've heard of them. And she had found me and interviewed me for her blog early on. Oh, wow. And I nice. following her. I actually worked for her when she opened her, you know, all her classes and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And so I learned tremendous amount from Pattern Observer. I highly recommend them for anybody who wants to learn textile design. Yeah, they were an early, early adapter to the online space for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully my my skills, I wouldn't wouldn't even show you the (laughs) the early early things I did for Welkin, but they loved them. They took them. They're like, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, I I went through a phase of thinking I wanted to be a fabric designer, but it was pre all the Photoshop that we have now. And it and I had to paint with gouache and do a repeat and be perfect and get the oh, it was not my thing. So I was like, no, I I guess that's not for me. It's fun now. Yeah. (laughs) It's a whole different thing. Technology. Oh gosh. Yeah. So did you ever figure out where to have a studio? I did. I did go to Northfield Mm -hmm. and I was above the bagel shop. Do you know Northfield? (laughs) You, you, so Um, you were above the, yeah, I, I lived in Northfield. Okay. 
Okay. Um, so we're talking about Northfield, Minnesota, as we trip down memory lane here, because mm-hmm. um, Dig, Linda Schneewin's shop, was right next yes. to the bagel store. Yes. And I almost lived above your studio. I We probably almost, maybe... <laughs> I almost lived upstairs there, but I, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, that my kiddo was born in Northfield, Minnesota. So yeah. I have a quite a fondness for a town that has uh, two real coffee shops and yes. things like that. A beautiful and, river and two colleges. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wonderful. I I still lived uh, in Elk River as well, and I I commuted. I stayed, spent the week in. Northfield and worked and then I came home on the weekends and was in Elk River and that I did that for about nine months I think mm-hmm. and it was oh. wonderful yeah oh that's that great was wonderful. so yeah that's a, that's if you if you haven't visited Northfield it's a it's worth the trip it's famous for being where they took Jesse James down the mm-hmm. Jesse James gang so we won't go into that but you can read up on it it's a beautiful spot for sure so in between in the 10 years, have you just kept doing a lot of freelancing and, and other things like that after you kind of ventured away from fabric? I mean, I know you have patents, which probably are back to toys and sportswear and, and yep. things like that, but you've had your hand in all sorts of great design and development. Yeah. 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 I've kind of taken, um, you know, some, some sort of sabbaticals along the way in here too. I studied Chinese medicine for a number of years. I love it. Um, shiatsu. Um, some, you know, I've done other, other things. And then I always end up coming back to design. Um, and I think that, I think that's a good thing for one thing, because mm-hmm. it, it expands who you are and I also stepped more into you know fine art if you want to say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but kind of doing exploring mediums and figuring out what is it that I love because I can design anything give me the design brief give me the colors you know that was my training but now I wanted to um, just explore who I was as a person as a designer what do I love? And um, one of the things that I like to talk about is um, is feel because I um, I think it's so important when you when you are trying to find out. So there's technical skill, which is great, mm-hmm. and then there's creativity, which are right. two different things. And people put them so tightly together, but you can be extremely creative and have zero technical skill, and vice versa. Right. Right. You know, the people who can paint a copy of the Mona Lisa and never and not do their own thing, tell, but they're not necessarily creative. So so I, I would say I was exploring my creative side and just playing with every medium I could think of and then mm-hmm. paid attention to what do I love and to do. And mm-hmm. then and then, you know, sometimes you love to do it, but you don't love the result. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do enough of it you find out that there is a match out there that when you love the process and then you love the result, that's when you hit the magic mm. point, right? That's so well said. So when you love the process and you love the result, and sometimes it takes a while to love the result because you're oh. fascinated with the process and you don't feel like you've hit your own stride to it yet, yes. but the more you do it, and then you find the people who also love your result and want that. Yes. And I think going by feel, the feel of something and not the look of something, I just, everybody stop and 
take a deep breath and think about that for a minute because being creative is, I think we get so tripped up in, but I have to do this because it's what people are doing. Like I have to design this thing or do this trend or whatever, because it's what people are doing versus I'm going to do this thing because it lights me up or it feels good or it makes me want to get up in the morning. And I, and you can make money from doing it the second way. You just have to do it long enough so that you're, that's you, that's the you is coming through in that. Yes, exactly. Precisely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. You know, I just, I think we do forget about that because we don't always have the luxury. I mean, to admit, we don't always have the luxury to stop and be creative. Like it was years, years between me making things, you know, sometimes it'll be for an auction, like I'm working on something now, but then, you know, when I, when I lived in Northfield, I ended up, gosh, a hundred years, not a hundred, a long time ago, I took some jewelry courses in San Francisco and, and it was taught by a a very renowned person. And, you know, I just, my parents gave it to me for a present because I always had wanted to, but he was very German and very perfect. And the measuring, it was like that surface design thing. I was like, oh my God, no, this is not for me. What about creativity and free thinking. And, and I found my design jewelry making mentor when I lived in Minnesota, Marisa Martinez. And I just fell in love with the process because I found somebody that was creative and taught creatively and taught the creative person. And I think, oh my gosh, I just, I could do it immediately instead of feeling so bound up. So would you say that, that you've had that feeling as you've gone and, and taken what you've learned along the way and even the Chinese medicine studying and, and shiatsu yeah. and things like that, has that all kind of blended into your gut feeling of what's right? Definitely. Definitely. Because you learn, you do have to learn how to, how to feel in order to, to, to practice those uh, modalities. Mm-hmm. Also, I have a, a, a long time background as an equestrian mm-hmm. and I rode with a German, a very strict German, but he taught you to listen to the horse and to mm. ride by feel. That's and, huge. Yeah. And, um, and also golf. I had an instructor who said, don't look at the other golfers because you will start to do what they're doing. Only look at the best. And the Colonel von Signer said the same about the riders. Don't look at the other riders. Just, you know, like be in your bubble. He didn't say bubble. Oh, but, gosh. And Colonel von Signer. That sounds fantastic. Yes, yes, he was. And so when I'm exploring the feel with art, you know, I mean, I at times was taking it to an extreme, you know, I had, I had one of those, um, it's, a, it's one of those ink brush pens, I can't Pentel brush. Oh, pen. sure. Mm-hmm. And it's yep, like, yep. how many ways can I use this pen? And then I started going and this is that night doodling, you know, um, with the that was back when I watched TV, I don't watch TV anymore. But anyway, how many marks can I make? And which ones do I really love? Which one feels so mm. good? So you know, I mean, I took it to like way out there. <laughs> But I still use those marks. I still use those favorite marks in my work. So yeah, paying attention and just think, I mean, I wish they, I always say, I wish they taught this in school because if we as children or even college students had been aware of the fact to even just take a moment and pay attention to how we feel about anything, our direction of our life would have been, you know, (laughs) we would have gotten there sooner. I would have gotten there sooner at least. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, I love listening to you. Like you went with your gut 
and left the credit union and went to art school. And, and you're also, you're saying, you know, do it your way for art, do it your way for horseback riding. That was somebody taught you that do it Mm -hmm. your way for golf. Like, I love the message and all those, if you kind of close your eyes and think about the meaning of that, it's profound in a way. It's just like, seriously, stop and listen to yourself. Don't look at what everybody else is doing, which brings it right back to the now and Mm -hmm. the internet and everything. Try really hard not to judge what everybody else is doing. And if you love it, do it. Yeah. And if you, if you don't know, if you love it, do the full end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and you'll, you'll go, I remember, actually, I remember learning this at Pattern Observer when we were, there was an exercise where she had us take three, this was in the classes. This wasn't when I worked for her. Um, take three of your idols, your, your artistic art idols. So I had, you know, William Morris, I had uh, Lonnie Rossi, who was a, a fabric designer. And um, there was some other one that I don't remember now and then we 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 did an exercise where we emulated them and it was like when I was emulating William Morris I was like oh no (laughs) this is not not for me I may love how this looks but I this would make me insane to work Mm -hmm. like this so tight and precise and beautiful I don't you know can you imagine doing that all by hand Oh, those so repeats. That's where, and- yeah. And that's where the exper- experimentation comes, you know, try this whole range mm. and then allow yourself to pay attention. How did that feel? How did this feel? How did this feel? Not what did so-and-so say about what you did, but how right. did it feel to do it, you know, and keep going in that direction and keep, keep experimenting with new things and new things and new things. And pretty soon you show up. You do. You show yeah. up. And yeah. that's, that is full on stopped me when I feel like I, felt like I wasn't showing up and maybe I didn't give myself the time to keep going in that, you know, for me painting. I I just, I always felt like I was too close to my teacher's work and I, I just needed more time is all mm-hmm. to show up as myself. And I, back to your mark making too. I just, who, who, what creative doesn't sit there when they're talking on the, who talks on the phone anyway, but when you're, when you're doing something mindless and making marks and I, mm-hmm. I love just thinking about what marks you like the best. Yeah. There's a great exercise right there. Exactly. Exactly. So you have another good thing to live by, which is three F's and an H. Yes. Three F's and an H. Um, When I was, you know, in this period where I was investigating myself and who, who am I really as a designer? um, I I knew that I had, um, that I love doing fish fish, I don't think fish sell, but maybe they do, but I love doing them anyway. I love doing flowers or anything nature. So that's two of the Fs, fish and flowers and faces Mm. and, um, and then horses because I was an equestrian and horses, of course. So a couple of things about that, you know, I, I have this, this big, um, 36 by 36 painting that I did, what, which was, um, during this time when I was just experimenting and I was, it ended up being all florals and um, I wasn't, I didn't have a preconceived idea because when I work this way, I don't, I just start painting, start making marks and layers. And then pretty soon I see something. Mm. Well, flowers came first and I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is going to be a floral. And then pretty soon some fish showed up in the florals, right? And it was so quirky because <laughs> the fish were swimming around like down by the stems. And I thought I was on Instagram back then. And I thought, I'm not posting this. People will think, you know, 
what what is she doing why is are there fish in, in the flowers you know and eventually I posted it and you know it was my number one my number one for the whole year people oh my gosh it. yeah yeah and then I have another story similar and that that was where I was uh, again judgmental about what had come through me um I lived in Northfield when I painted that one and I lived in um, St. Paul when I painted this one and this one had skyscrapers and it had these human-like people's heads but I couldn't they were all bald I couldn't tell are these humans are these aliens what is this and this was just too weird and I'm not going to show anyone this one and I'll probably <laughs> paint over it right well I didn't paint over it and I actually had it on an art tour um, so I had sold some paintings. I hung it in the empty space. This woman came in and she just walked right up to it. And she was like, that painting was for her. I mean, she didn't oh buy gosh. it, but she got it. She understood it. She's like, she whispered. I mean, she was almost in tears. She was so emotional about that painting. Oh gosh. And um, I actually just gave her a print because um, or a, I think it was a card of it because she couldn't afford the painting or didn't, you know, didn't want to spend the money on the painting. But I it was a big, big lesson for me because I mean, both of them in a similar way. So mm -hmm. when you paint and work on that level where you're not dictating, oh, I'm going to do this today, you right. just start working and the stuff comes out. It's not necessarily for me. Mm, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. It affected her on a deep level. And mm. so it has value because of that, even if it still hangs in my house. You know? Maybe even more. Maybe even more. So I stopped mm. being judgmental about the work I was creating that I didn't like. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big one. What a wonderful place to get to. And the reason is right. I mean, when you see that's, that's just, you, you made yourself put that painting up. You probably were like, Oh, I don't know. And then somebody connected with it and, and you got the lesson. I got the lesson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I have goosebumps just thinking about it because, um, you know, I think as artists, first of all, when we're learning, we want to be perfect. We want this, we want that. We get discouraged, yes. you know, we do. and I've learned to just keep going and paint over it, put another layer, whatever, <laughs> until oh. I like it. And sometimes, you know, I still don't like it. But there was something about the painting. It was intriguing. It, mm -hmm. it wasn't beautiful in my eye, but it was intriguing. And then, you know, when I saw her reaction to it, it was like, okay, okay, this is, this is good. Mm, <laughs> this I is why that. I love this job I have. <laughs> and we don't always get to see people's reaction to our work. You know, sometimes it's, well, for instance, I put this. I put these conversations out into the universe. Right. And I, I, my conversation is with you right now. That's, that's what I'm focused on. But I think about like, Oh my gosh, actually somebody's going to actually be listening to this, <laughs> but I don't think about it too much, you know, right. um, because I'm focused on, you know, your path and what you've been learning. And, and those are gems that we, you know, it's wonderful when we can see, see the reactions to our work and, um, and just remember, sometimes it's really good to remember that you're touching people, they're seeing your work. Somebody, you know, played with 150, you, you made so many toys, you made so many kids happy with so many toys, you know, you made, what did you do for rollerblade? I have to just ask before I get so far away from that. Oh, um, I did, um, trend forecasting, color forecasting. I designed, um, 
um, all the accessories and, and protective gear. Oh my gosh. I didn't do any, any skates, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can, so, you know, that's something to think about. So, somebody makes the decision about all like, look around you right now. Like my orange huge cup from target. Somebody decided what color that would be, you know, and sometimes it's been you, Jamie, and sometimes it's been me and that's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> Isn't it? It is. <laughs> Another one of the things you you have a good habit of doing is gratitude up and gratitude out. Can you share with us what that is a little bit? Yeah, I think I have a, I have a, a ritual that depending on how my computer is running, <laughs> sometimes more frequent than others. But so, um, you know, when you get the little spinning wheel, they call it the yes. little spinning wheel of death when you're waiting for the computer. We, to all, process. we all get that. <laughs> Well, I have decided that when that happens and I have to just sit here and wait that I am going to sit in gratitude for the life I have. And so I do. And it's it's interesting because I do it frequently enough that that I can feel the energy uh, as soon as that little ball shows up on my screen, I can feel the energy co coming and going. And um, it's it's almost I don't know, it's a it's a it's just about has developed into like a, a ritual, I guess, a, yeah, a really word. wonderful experience. And, and then I also have a belief that when we create product that we create carries the energy with which we created it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm on my fourth, I believe it's the fourth year of doing a hundred day challenge. Mm, fantastic. And I've always, I've, our, our project, hundred day project. Anyway, I, um, I always learn something through that process. And this year when I was trying to come up with it, it's like, I don't want to give myself any parameters. I just want to do whatever I want to do that day. And then I thought I'm going to have a hundred of these things. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, you know what, I am going to give these away. And mm. um, I have a, a, a Patreon site and I thought I am going to give, I'm going to post these every day for a hundred days on Instagram, but I'm also going to post them and the Patreon site and my patrons can, um, I, I have, I called claim it to name it. So they have to name the piece and then I mail and it. They get it. <gasps> and that is my uh, gratitude out. So I'm, I'm giving them um, something that not only I, um, hopefully they think is beautiful because I don't think they would name one. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like it. Right, and, right. um, and it carries the energy. And I start my day with that. So that's my warm up kind of for my creative day by creating those. And I have enjoyed it so much. I think I may continue. I love that, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. Thank well, you. and your Instagram is so it's definitely we can see you in every bit of it and not trying to fit into any other any other thing. But I just love looking and it's Jamie Calvestron and, and I'll have the, the links in the show notes, but I just love your style. You know, it feels like, you know, what, what you want to do next and, and when you play what you want to play and there are the faces and there are the flowers and there's the horse and there's the fish. And I, and I love that so much. It feels good to see you just obviously creating with joy in mind and with a, the right of something that feels right to you and with gratitude, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. those are very, fantastic practices that who wouldn't benefit by looking at that spinny circle and having thoughts of gratitude. <laughs> I know I will. I'm going to, I'm going to take that on. 
Take that on. Yeah. Because of course, you know, that's where we have a choice because we can go down the opposite direction on that because it's frustrating and it's annoying and it's all of those negative things, but that doesn't help anything to go. It really doesn't. It's the perfect instance because you usually are frustrated and you're waiting for something and we're used to getting it quickly, but to stop and think about being grateful for, for the moment is great. Let me say great a few more times. (laughs) Oh goodness. Well, what would you like the next 10 years to look like, Jamie? Oh my gosh. You know, just like the last 10. No. <laughs> okay. Well, no, actually I wouldn't say, I won't say that because, you know, we want to move forward. Right. And, um, or just, you know, be in a place that feels right. Yeah. I think I, um, I think I came up with it yesterday. I don't think I wrote it down, but it was something like, I just want to create, tend my garden, sleep deeply and eat healthy. Oh. Those were my four things that just, they popped in my head yesterday. And I thought, oh, I should write that down. That might be, but I didn't, but I remembered. <laughs> there you go. It's it's on the airwaves now for oh. as long as you can. That's so great. It it really fits with what we've been talking about. It comes from the right place, I think. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Who's inspiring you these days? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I love this question because I, I actually examined not I, I'm a kind of a soul searcher person as if you can tell, but I actually um, was thinking about this because I listened to your podcast. I was thinking way before I knew I would be on. I, I thought, well, who 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 doesn't who inspires me? <laughs> so I really mm-hmm. sat with it, and um, so the first person is Pam Lohr. Now, mm-hmm. do you know Pam? Or her I work. did not before, before you mentioned okay. that. And I did look her up. A Minnesota girl too. Yeah. And um, she, um, I did meet her on uh, a number of times. We're acquaintances and she's just a dear, dear person. And she teaches these uh, nature sketchbook workshops. And she also hosts uh, the Artful Book Club in, in Minnesota. And I recently joined that book club because it's nice. on Zoom now. What a great Um, book club. That sounds perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. Good idea. It's just um, artfulbookclub.com if anybody's interested. But she, you know, I can back up. I can tell you that anyone who does their work or anyone who doesn't give up, anyone who walks their talk, I am inspired by. And it doesn't have to be artists. It can be anyone. I agree. And so Pam Pam is one of those people. Mm, That's a good um, the next one is Jane Sassaman, who I met at Quilt Market. And mm. Jane is a dear, dear, dear lady. And she is um, an internationally known quilter and author. And um, I actually interviewed her. Well, the first time I met her, I was was the first year that I, because I had bought her book and she was like a hero to me. And I was at Quilt Market vending for the first time. And she walked by my booth oh. the last day when there was no one around. Oh. And I just called out, Jane. <laughs> she stopped and she looked at me like, do I know you? <laughs> you do now. Because it was just, and I was I was kind of embarrassed by my my bur- outburst, you know. Yeah. But she was very gracious and wonderful. And then years later I interviewed her for Pattern Observer for the for the blog. And um she's amazing. She does amazing oh. work and she's just you know, amazing all around. Both of these women are all about um, nature. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if you go to Jane Sassaman's, 
janesesselman.com and um, look at her quilts. Look at Moths and Moons 1. It's okay. My <laughs> Moths and Moons? Moths and Moons 1. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my final inspiration is Mr. Monka. And he might be the best yet because Mr. Monka was my fifth and sixth grade teacher. And he's now on the other side, but he was the first adult. I know he's just playing the first person I think I knew that lived a creative life uh, and he taught creatively. Like we, we would have, I mean, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't say he's creative, but he taught math and mixed math and gym. Oh my. Together. Like we did gym, gym things in the gymnasium that were <laughs> for PE, but he, so I don't even remember how he did it, but I remember because I didn't like math and I did like gym. <laughs> He combined them. And he also had us do like we did these little hook rug things and then they were sewn together and it hung in the oh wow. So projects. He gave me he, he gave me an assignment. He must have known I was going to be a product designer or a service designer. He said, Miss Engel, which was my main name, Miss Engel, you I would like you to paint the piano and all of the garbage cans in the school. You can paint it any color, anything you want, just pick one person to help you. Oh my gosh. So like you went and collected them all and painted them. Yeah. He yeah. had, he big, picked you out from the crowd, big, <laughs> big orange flowers on there. And the oh. other thing that really sticks with me is that um, he was an artist too. And he, he, I remember he had these, like, I think they were like plywood squares and then they had a little frame, like rim, rim around it. And he mixed, listen to this. He mixed baking ingredients and paint and he poured it into these this wooden frame and he put it in the oven at oh, the school my <laughs> gosh and then it would bubble and you know like half bake and then he'd pull it out and it was amazing and I thought who would think of that you know that's so cool he sounds so magical he he was and and probably is on the other side you yeah know, I I I have so much gratitude that I, I got to experience him and witness uh, creativity, you know, as a fifth or sixth grader. Well, and he, he gave you full permission. And I think so often at that age, we're not given that full permission. How yeah. fantastic. You know, I was reading because I asked for these ahead of time because I love to see what people are saying. And it said Mr. Monka, and I didn't have my glasses on, and I thought it said Mr. Wonka, <laughs> and I think he might be a descendant. Mr. Wonka sounds <laughs> he sounds like a magical guy. I'm so glad he he was in your life at the right time. Yes, what a wonderful tribute. So, where can people find you? Where where's your favorite place for people to find you and see what you're up to? Um, depends on what they what they're looking for. If they if they want to be entertained, um, <laughs> they could go on. There's lots going Instagram, on. Yeah. Um, my website is a little bit more on the professional side, but I also have art for sale and prints for sale there. And um, if they want to be on the inside and share my process, I kind of I, it's kind of the insider behind the scenes thing. Then join me on Patreon. Uh, or, or creative-daily.com. And um, that's where the giveaways are right now and will be in the future too. So, awesome. so those are my three main spots. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I have really loved um, 
and we'll have all this on the, in the show notes too. So you don't have to be writing this down. We'll, we'll have it for you, but um, thank you because I really just in your, your thinking and your principles around what creativity means and how to get there are super aligned with mine, which you probably already knew from our conversations. And um, I just really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about this stuff out loud. Cause it's super important. I think to remember what feels right to you and have gratitude around it and really follow the path that suits you. And you're a shining example of that. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. And I love to keep watching and seeing where, where you grow, where you go and what you make shine. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me uh, join you here. Absolutely. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.